Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit ViralGrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. In Mondali right now, I think the view we have and the vision, I think you need to lead from the future, basically. You need to create a vision and really the organization around it, developing a future-ready workforce to win the future of commerce. That's our vision. It's really a great, inspiring vision. And to make that vision, a reality, you need to partner with your HR team, your marketing and sales organization, your supply chain, finance, IT, basically across all the organization. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofstetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. So Sarah, Profitero has been doing business globally since its inception. We really started growing very strong in Europe, which would make sense given the adoption of e-commerce. But yeah, we've been a global company since whenever we started. With Micmac, we just literally launched our international expansion this year and we opened up our UK entity a few months ago. Mazel tov. Thank you. But it's wild. You know, we now have built integrations with 1,500 retailers around the world to just see how different e-com is market to market and how North America is pretty unique. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of those things where you don't realize it until you get into it. For example, like Click and Collect has been pretty much the norm since well before COVID in France. And the idea of all of this quick commerce, last mile delivery stuff has been pretty mainstream in certain markets. And the U.S. is, I mean, the U.S. has much more fragmentation in terms of number of retailers within the country. 
but at the same time, been a hell of a lot slower and, you know, never letting a good crisis go to waste. I think we're catching up here in the States, but you got to look at each market very differently, understand penetration behaviors, et cetera. We're lucky to get Ji Chang onto the show, who's leading global e-commerce at Mondelez, and we've both known her for quite some time. And she gets into it, you know, going market by market, the different sort of consumer behaviors and players within the industry. And it's wild when you think about how you can manage that at scale. She is so insanely qualified to be doing this job. A, she has tremendous experience both across multiple CPGs, but also multiple geographies. And it's worth noting that e-commerce isn't a side hustle at Mondelez. E-commerce is mentioned in quarterly earnings calls. It's very clear. It's part of the heartbeat of the business. And also that credit's got to go to G. Well, on that note, let's bring G onto the show. G, you're truly a global leader, so we're so excited to pick your brain today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Well, you know, every single time I see you, I always love to talk shop. There was a report that came out a few months ago from Boston Consulting Group. It was all about CPG and e-com penetration. And in the report, they say that once a business reaches 6% of total revenue coming from e-commerce, it is now a part of the P&L that is here to stay. And in recent Mondelez earnings reports, it's clear that you guys have now reached, maybe even potentially succeeded, 6% of your total revenue now coming from e-commerce. So how is the organization thinking about the growth of e-commerce in a post-pandemic world? Thank you for the question. I think, first of all, I would say, given the size of Mondelez, 6% is quite a substantial number, actually. We are certainly very serious about the business. You know, for us, e-commerce is a strategic growth driver and a high priority as well. Uh, we certainly have significantly increased our investment in the channel and doubled down in some markets as well and expanded to new platforms such as last mile delivery platforms, social commerce, D2C, EB2B, you know. And also build a lot many capabilities, especially in the last uh, 18 months. We have strong support from both our executive team and the board of directors. And if you listen to our earnings call, our CEO, Dirk, and CFO, Luca, they constantly talk about e-com as a quarterly earnings call. So it's certainly a priority for the organization. One thing I do want to just uh, double click a little bit is about the 6%. I think when we say 6%, you really need to keep in mind that that's a global average, right? Because country by country and market by market, the online grocery penetration is vastly different. So for example, with markets like US or UK, France, we're in double digit in terms of e-com penetration. And in China, the most developed e-com markets, one fifth of the business country is coming from digital commerce. So for those markets which grocery e-com start to mature, you know, our goal is continue to strengthen our online share leadership position, continue to grow in that market and also link fence, basically our strategic position in those markets. Then if you 
look at Mondelez also as a company. We also sell in 150 markets, right? It's a pretty global company. And from that perspective, we also have a lot of majority of the markets, e-com acceleration or e-com. I would say online grocery penetration is still. Less than one percent, probably. So for those market, we just started. We just started activating our e-commerce business there. You know, in those new markets or emerging markets, our goal is how can we be the first mover, right? Or in the markets we just recently started, how can we accelerate it? So there's really almost a balanced approach over there. So ultimately, and like everybody else, we want to be where the consumers are, where the shoppers are. And our ambition is try to be the online category leader in most of our markets we play. I would just say you're welcome because during my stay-at-home time, I was an avid consumer of the Oreo two packs because my portion control issues were like a really big problem, and the Oreo two packs were just. Exactly what I needed at the right time, at the right moment, and I would say I think you guys were really early and first as it related to optimizing PPA for e-commerce, really thinking about the shopper experience, and obviously that mindset. I can only tell you I I saw from just being a shopper in the U.S. But your point on market maturity and market adoption varying is. Very well taken, and one of the nice things that Rachel and I get to do is speak with people that have U.S. only roles, North America roles, EMEA roles, APAC roles, as well as those、um, that lead globally. Because the penetration rates vary market to market, how do you, as the global leader, think about knowledge, capabilities, learning agenda for different markets with different levels of maturity, both in terms of adoption? But also in terms of talent. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. Appreciate.、It. By the way, Sarah, the two pack Oreo, you know, is one of our best sellers in US on Amazon.com. It's all me. <laughs> A lot of Sarahs, let's put that way.、Uh, so it's yeah, it's- Sarah's just eating her way through this podcast. <laughs> And drinking and drinking, yeah, right? Yes, yeah. So it's it's very hard to. By the way, I have been spent ten years of my career in food industry. The biggest challenge is you know how can you make sure you are resisting all these delicious chocolates or cookies? You know, eat kosher. That's the answer. G, I'm going to make you kosher, and it'll take out like half the opportunity. Although not at Mondelez,、yeah. not at Mondelez. You guys are really good about that. <laughs> yeah. So let me get back to your question. It's actually a, a lot of elements in the question as well. But one thing I do also want to unpack a little bit: the maturity for each different market is one thing. But also, you know, as a global leader, I, I think it's also important. And I love my job. A part of that is is this global aspect of it. You know, because I got to different market. And one thing is for e-com, different markets. E-com means very different things for different markets. I'll give you a few examples. For example, in US, right, and we are familiar with e-com is about Amazon, the Walmart, the Kroger in the food industry, right? All those you know main players. You also have these accelerators like Instacart or DoorDash as a delivery service. You need to be there too, but also your D two C business. That's kind of the US model more mature. Then you're pivoting a little bit to the European markets. And you look at the UK and the France, and maybe most of the European markets, it's mostly e-com take a form of click and collect, 
right? It's a most click and clack model. So it's super important to make sure you're partnering with the biggest players like a Tesco, like Carrefour, right? Like Leclerc, all those markets. So making sure you have a good strategic partnership with them and winning in those markets. Although in UK, we also have our direct consumer business for category gifting, for example, and the EB2B business. Then you pivot into Asia, to China especially, which is, we all know, it's the most uh, a dynamic market when it comes to e-commerce, right? And we actually now, in recent months, or maybe the last 12 to 18 months, we see shoppers slowly migrating away from Alibaba's Tmall to this new group buying social platform like called Pinduoduo. And then also TikTok shop and also live streaming is a real thing, pretty established in China. So your strategy really needs to pivoting to make sure you are not losing consumers as they migrate to these new platforms and will have a relevant content strategy to continue to make sure you have them and offer the right relevant entertainment content almost in those on those platforms, it's really entertainment first and the shopping becomes a byproduct of that, right? Then if I go to Latam, then you have another different landscape. If I look at Latam, actually, it's the most fascinating market for me to look at right now as well, you know, the whole region, the acceleration of e-com apparently from last year, but also the acceleration of the EB2B space, right? How we transform the way we do business with the traditional trades, mom pop stores, right, or food service in those markets and really making sure the ordering process is more efficient. So we're able to reach more, you know, traditional stores in uh, trades, uh, mom and pop stores in those regions, or making sure they are actually be able to order more of your skills. So it's go deeper in that perspective. So just a few examples to give you so how region by region, continent by continent, how different it is. So from that perspective, the global role does bring you a lot of different perspective. And the good thing is you are also able to learn from different markets. Of course, each market, you probably have different theme, but there's always some commonality over there you can learn from each other. And that is one way to accelerate. I can double click more, talk about learning, but I'm going to pause here, see if any, uh, you know, reaction. That was literally phenomenal. (laughs) And I feel like that whole clip is going to be listened over and over by executives across the world. I do want to double click into two of the things that you said, because it, it comes up a lot in conversation. So you talk about China and live streaming, which is a behavior that we're starting to see in the West during the pandemic, but not really within the CPG category. You see it in fitness and you see it in beauty and you see it in fashion. So how is that coming to life in grocery in China? Like what is the actual sort of content that you're seeing being produced that's actually driving online sales for categories like snacking? So I think it's a live streaming to some extent, also probably social commerce, we name it as well, you know, in some of the categories. It is different story compared to category by category. Definitely very relevant, especially for beauty categories, apparel categories. Live streaming social commerce is high in terms of probability for those categories. For food, I think this is probably also relating to direct-to-consumer as well. You also need to have a unique value proposition. You know, offer something which is relevant 
for those platforms. I mentioned about entertainment earlier. You know, when to talk about China, the content we created for for live streaming and for especially and the pack type we created for live streaming is actually very different from what you get in the store, right? It's really come with the entertainment, the content first. They actually call it content commerce, by the way. Content first, then the shopping behavior follow it. If it's something very relevant, unique. For example, in China, earlier in the year, we have this spring campaign, launching all these Oreo cookies in pink color. You know, a strawberry flavor. You know, the apple flavored Oreo in green color. It's a very spring themed, right? And it's very unique because it's so fun. And look at that, and you get a lot of fans in those platforms to watch your content, watch your video, but also getting those unique cookies. You know, so I think that's probably expand a little bit whether live streaming will be same phenomenon in US. There's still to be watched. Personally, I'm not quite sure yet. I have to say, you know, I definitely see that take off. Potential in beauty apparel category, and to some extent, the concept is not uh, uh, new, right? You already you have if you look at uh, HSN or that's a home shopping is a behavior already in US, but mostly still in the jewelry, in the other category for food. Let's still see, but I do think maybe some other market like Southeast Asia, you see the intersection of the、uh, you know Facebook, Instagram, and also the Alibaba, Lazada over there. It's also a very social. Media-heavy consumer, right? So there's a potential opportunity over there. Well, with so much variance from market to market,、uh-huh. you've spoken about this publicly. Whether you were at Danone, Hershey's, Campbell's, Phillips, and now at Mondelez, that so much of your job has been to educate internal stakeholders, which I think a lot of our listeners—that's what they probably spend fifty percent of their time doing as well. What have you found is the most effective way to upskill a global organization? I would say, you know, in the past, I had to, you know, because, like I said, in all the roles I had in the past, you know, different companies and、uh, different、uh, category, as well, you know. But the one thing I have to say, you know, is I had to do a lot of lobbying. <laughs> Even it makes sense, you know, a lot of lobbying and knowledge sharing. I would use all possible opportunities to educate our upper management. And run digital、uh, training sessions for broader organization. But thankfully now, as、uh, grocery e-commerce now, you know, has a much higher penetration, and e-com becomes a much bigger portion for total business. I no longer get a question about why should we do that or if we should do that, but more about how do we do that or what we need to do that. You know, although in certain areas, I still get the why and if question. That can be another session. Now I have more certainly conviction about people's belief in the grocery commerce. You know, the job gets a little bit easier, but still, how to effectively upscale an organization? That is still quite a big challenge. But what we have been doing in Mandali right now, I think the view we have and the vision we have, right? So I think you need to lead from the future. Basically, you need to create a vision. And really, the organization around it. For us, the vision is developing a future-ready workforce to win the future of commerce. That's our vision. It's really a great, inspiring vision. And to make that vision a reality, you need to partner with your HR team, your marketing and sales organization, your supply chain, finance, IT, basically across all the organizations. So that is something we are currently rallying around with. 
my COE team is actually doing some fantastic work this year, you know, by creating learning curriculum. And we are rolling out like one training program after another. I think as of today, we probably launched more than a dozen playbook and the training programs just in the last couple of months, right? The other thing we did is also launch an intranet, a digital commerce intranet, which is depository for everything related to econ knowledge and every single employee, they can get access to it. And believe it or not, also recently we launched an internal podcast uh so an e-com podcast we basically inviting wait, wait, wait yeah you you launched a competitor <laughs> you could have just licensed us <laughs> that can be the idea too you know so right now our podcast is all our internal e-commerce thought leaders come together to talk about their perspectives tackling different topics but we do have the idea and if you guys can sign up to it would like to join our ecom podcast in the future session as well. It will be great, you know. Yeah, I hear a collab. Yes, this is like way more interesting than most of the collabs with like celebrities and sneakers. Like this is just going to be the thing. <laughs> yeah, Sarah and Rachel. Yeah, we're the top business podcast in Belgium. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We also, by the way, our CEO Dirk also has his own. He doesn't call toy party. He called it more in a uh, old-fashioned way, radio. Love it. His pirate radio. <laughs> yeah. So internally, we have quite a few competition podcasts there as well as you can see. You know, you can compete with the CEO's podcast apparently. <laughs> I'll let him win that battle. But um, <laughs> Gee, we're at the point in the the show, unfortunately, where we have to ask you our last question, which is, what's the bravest thing you've ever done? Um, this is an ultimate, I guess, brave commerce question, which I love it. I also enjoyed, by the way, listening to other leaders respond on your program as well. It's a great question. Personally, I always consider life itself is an adventure. I like to explore new places and new ideas. Therefore, I came to America in my, uh, to study in my 20s, right? Career-wise, the bravest thing I did was back in 2004. I took a leap of faith to start work on e-commerce because at the time I was in finance. I was a financial, a senior financial analyst at Kanye Corporation, the hairdryer company. So I still remember, you know, when I was asked by our CMO at the time, who is also my mentor, Frank Lindsay, he basically asked if I'd like to try a very different role. I actually was puzzled and said to him, well, I know nothing about the internet. You know, and he said, you can learn by doing. You have the curiosity and you have the potential. So that turned out to be the bravest thing I did. I probably would also say the best thing I did to my career as well. And I'm forever grateful to Frank, who retired many years ago from Conair, because I think Frank, he was able basically to see the potential that I wasn't seeing it myself. And he actually trusted it that I could do the job. So I think he's also, his talent philosophy certainly also have a profound influence on me as well later as, as a business leader, you know, in my career. I think trying to see people's potential, see their strengths, you know, when they even have their self-doubt. And if I can help cultivate that potential and help them realize, fully realize their potential, I think that's, probably one of the most beautiful things in life as well. I love that. Curiosity, potential, and then paying it forward. 
Yeah, Xi, this is why Sarah and I are fans of you. And thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I would also say, you know, I have been following this show in the past as well. And I have so many great takeaways from all the other leaders on the show as well. So it's great to be on this show together with both of you and keep up the great work. I'm such a fan. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to share this link with a friend. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of Truth, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice, meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcast. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.